Praise the Lord. Amen. Luke chapter 15 this morning. And uh, over the years, uh, I've done a number of things. I've been in my family, I've been here, I've come to various places a few times. I've been in the funeral for a friend back in the day. And often in a funeral, and you may have heard me say this, I'll make a statement that whoever the And uh, then normally I'll uh, launch off of that. If they can speak today, they have a revelation of eternity. If they can speak today, they step through the door of death into eternity. Heaven and hell. They can speak today. Because they now have an experience but the problem is, always in those cases, I've often wished that one of them just rise up and speak, come up out of the coffin and speak, or if a voice, their voice would come out of heaven and ring around the building and begin to speak. But the problem is, they can't, they can't speak. They're deceived. They step and even though they have this incredible experience, they can't speak. If you have a record in the Bible, I'm going to look at that later in this short study of Lazarus and But it's, it's, it's sad in a way, but it's also very revealing and very convicting in a way. They have this incredible experience of stepping through the door of death. They now have knowledge of many sermons that were preached, knowledge of eternity, but they can't speak because God obligated you and I to speak the living that are here that believe the Bible and uh, believe eternity. And if you and I keep silent, then in one sense we're spiritually dead. It's like this these individuals that cannot speak from the grave or testimony, their life history, And so last week I dealt with the soul winning, I, I dealt with the that video but you and I are God's instrument of witness in the earth. That carries responsibility. That means by your testimony or by your witness, by you speaking about Jesus to an unsaved person or person, it may and very likely. 
their head on it as well. Everyone packs this you talk to. I don't know anyone that got saved and got somewhere, somewhere had to witness to them about Jesus. Somewhere they had to have knowledge of Jesus. Or you can't do so. And so, um, this is a sobering thought um, that simply to be silent is a sin. Simply to know what you know. Most of you, if not all of you, know about the Bible. Know what Jesus has done. Know what he says about eternity, heaven and hell. And understanding our responsibility not to speak, not to witness, not to testify is a very, 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 very heartbreaking, no doubt, to God and limits the kingdom. Can you imagine if every Christian in America, every born-again believer in America, this week said, you know what, I'm going to witness every opportunity, Every chance, I'm going to witness to family. I'm going to witness to friends. I'm going to witness to classmates. I'm going to witness to people in my neighborhood. I'm going to go on outreach and witness to strangers. Can you imagine if every Christian in America this week was going to do that? How the climate. Can you imagine the impact of that? Let me bring it close to home. Can you imagine if everyone who names the name of Jesus that attends this church made a decision, I'm going to be a witness. I'm a witness for God. I'm going to tell my story about what Jesus has done for me. Can you imagine what would happen in the next year if in 2014, beginning through these holidays, holidays are a great time to witness, you simply begin to engage your will and say, you know what? I'm going to share my testimony. I know what Jesus has done for me, and I'm going to tell it. I'm going to declare it. I'm going to speak it. I know what Jesus has done for me, and I'm going to speak it. Can you imagine the impact of that? in this city, your family, where you work, the school, the university, high school, whatever, your neighborhood, that we just do that. And we need to do that. I want to read a couple of verses of Scripture here. If you're in Luke 15, if they put this up on, on the board, uh, beginning with verse number 4, uh, Jesus is speaking, and this is one of the most uh, profound Scriptures I know uh, in the Bible about the issue of witnessing and declaring the name of Jesus and testifying and spreading. What man of you having a hundred sheep if he loses one of them does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. When he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who 
need no repentance. And he picks it, picks it up another parable. A hurt woman having ten silver coins, and many feel, I may look at this later, but this was probably her, maybe her bridal crown, her bridal wreath, something. A lot of times it had ten coins in it, it's very special. If she loses one coin, then she not light the lamp, sweep the house, search carefully until she finds it, and when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me. I found the peace which I lost. Right? And here Jesus, he, he makes it real again. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, I want to go on into the lost son, the, the prodigal son. But, I mean, just reading that, think with me for a moment. These, these three parables, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And Jesus gives the picture. He's the good shepherd. The father, there's always God, the father. Uh, there's this dynamic. And so I want to focus here on, on the first couple here. That uh, they are lost. There's lost people in every arena of life. There's the lost sheep. There's the lost coin. There's the lost son. But all of these are lost. They're lost. They don't know their way. They're, they're, they're disorientated. They can't find any kind of peace or direction. Uh, they don't know. There's the absence of knowledge. When you're lost, if you've ever been lost in a city or in the woods or somewhere, you're totally disorientated. Uh, it can be frightening. It can be uh, terrorized. And people die because of their loss in the natural. But it's not just uh, this. Um, and he makes this statement about how heaven, God, the angels, how they care. Their heart over one sinner coming to repentance. And he weighs this with 99 people about uh, don't need this. They already say they're right with God and etc. And so, let me ask you a question because. Um, what I want to focus on uh, is here over and over he makes this statement. In verse number five, he puts it on his shoulders, talking about the lost land, rejoicing. Verse six, when he comes home, he calls his friends, his neighbors. Again, he says, rejoice with me. And then he says in verse seven, likewise, there'll be more Joy in heaven. In the last coin, when she found it, verse 9, she calls her friends and neighbors, Rejoice with me. And again, in verse 10, there is joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. If you read the story of the prodigal son, when the prodigal came home, the father Verse 24, this is my son was dead alive again, lost in his mouth, and they begin to be merry. Let me ask you, what makes you rejoice? This, this is a revelation of God 
to the Christian. What gives you joy? This word in the Greek is just overflowing. This uh, added concern, this abundance, this exuberance, excitement, and joy, and thrill, and throb. It's rejuvenating, it's vibrant, it's encouraging your soul. This is the thought. Christ, you got to see all your neighbors. Uh, come with me. Uh, this lamb was lost. This found. Again, uh, with me. Let me tell you, uh, this coin that was so precious, it was unfounded. Uh, uh, listen, my son was dead. He said, come, let's make money. Let's have a party. And this is a picture of incredible, exuberant, uh, ecstatic joy. Let me ask you in your own personal life, what gives you that? I'm open. In the end, too. I mean, Dave, I remember when DJ took me with us for the first time, and every time I was driving out on my own, Somebody, I would always come to that table. Somebody, you can't enjoy it. Just a good day, I look at the old. That's my choice. Okay? My friend. So, so, what gives, I want you to be honest, and I know Dave's like that. He told me every year he prays that he can pray with a hundred people, and he's almost there. I know his children down in uh, the work there in Houston. I go down there and preach. Uh, and they're always there, uh, and they're saved, and very much of this is to his witness and everything he's done. But I want you to think personally. You've got to make the Word of God personal. What really gives you this kind of exuberance, over-the-top joy? Do you have as much joy about this as if you're you're NFL team one? Are you as excited and thrilled about where is sinner? This is why it always upsets me when people are getting saved and, and people just say walk out. Uh, they, they talk. And, and that's why, because that tells me that about your spirit. What, what, what moves you? Think of it. He says, angels in heaven get more joy out of this. Where is sinner? Angels in heaven. But joy in the presence of angels and God. Verse 10. Verse 7. I say you have to there be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. And 99 just. We're talking about something that breaks out in a party in heaven. Again, I know of all the scripture that, that carries the weight, and Jesus is speaking it. And so, but what moves you like this? What stirs you? Are you going to pay them? And, and these things are you doing. We thank God for it. Your, your kid does well in school. Thank God. You're going to play a guitar or something? Thank the Lord. 
I'm, I'm not, those things aren't evil. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying in comparison, what moves you? A trip to Disneyland? You get more excited about that. Or, or you know, some, some song, secular song? I, we're talking about a soul. Where he, he says, no soul. There's no joy in heaven over one sinner. And angels testify. Angels. And I thank God for healing. I preach about healing. Praise the Lord. I thank God for deliverance. I thank God for miracles. I just had another, uh, got another email of, of, of someone I prayed for and a young couple. They've been trying for years to have a baby, and, and now she's pregnant and they have a baby. And I love that kind of stuff. So do you. I love it when, when someone gets miraculously healed, or I love it when you get a word or someone gets a word. Yeah. I, I love love when God touched, but but compared to this, see, see all all the things he could have said. This is what he said: You move heaven and you move him. Is this your joy? One sinner. The last coin was lost in her house. It was in her house lost. You have lost people in your house or family. The last sheep, of course, was the sheep of the vulnerable. So let me ask you, what do you rejoice over? Get a new gun? New car? New something? And, and again, those things aren't evil. If you shoot somebody with it or something, you know, but those things aren't evil. But, but I, 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 I mean, we had some other hands up. Uh, uh, Fred, go ahead. Pastor, uh, I truly believe that, uh, I believe that, that, that word, uh, that scripture says that the heaven is short, the heaven is short, the heaven is short, and that's what I'm saying. Ever since I uh, started, I guess, in ministry, whether it's been witnessing, outreaching, when we see souls today, when we see people really come to the altar, you know, and, and accept Christ, that feels me with joy. I mean, whether it be the music, a lot of times the music ministry, I love going out to other places because they don't know me. But then, you know, when the Holy Spirit gets involved, to see Him touch, and then to see Him come forth to the altar and just fill it, to see Christ, to see that joy of, uh, of, of the release, you know, from the things of the world, the pain, the sorrow, whatever takes place in their life, and that gives me with joy that they be touched with. Elias? Um, before I got saved, one thing I was really tormented with was uh, I didn't sleep a lot. I was I was so bad on um, Christmas that bad, and I was a working. I did what I was to this day. One thing I struggled with uh, was getting sleep because I always wanted to do drugs, snorting. I was always snorting it, 
and um, I never slept. I, I didn't. I didn't sleep a lot. And when I got Joey, um, I was able to sleep. I got delivered from all that stuff. And one, one thing that I was grateful for was if I did wake up in the middle of the night, it was for a good reason. It wasn't because I was fired up. It was because God wanted me to read my Bible. I'd get up at two in the morning. Get to that nerve. I don't worry about doing, praying, reading my Bible. And that was just giving me a conclusion in my heart that I was living right. And that was one of the joys that God first brought to me. Uh, that when I sleep and I wake up in the middle of the night, and I can't go back to sleep because I'm not doing nothing wrong. I'm just trying to put something on my heart. When I read, um, that was a good thing for me. I feel good now. If I wake up in the middle of the night, I'm not mad. I'll lay there. I'll get up, I'll pray. I'll go back to bed. That was one thing that I first got to and then, of course, you know, reaching out to people at work, uh, witnessing to people. That was one thing uh, that really that brings me a lot of joy. Those people. Billy? Funny, man. Funny, man. We're talking about this. So, I get the most joy, Pastor, coming to church to be filled with the Holy Ghost. One of the things I appreciate about the Lord is that there's a presence of God in life giving. I was raised in Baptist religion. Rejoice, brought his neighbors, his family. I want you to rejoice with me. 
So, uh, a little bit more, what, what is this quality uh, that, that Jesus is talking about here? Uh, what, what is this, they? You're a popular kind of life. Like, you know, say about being happy. I'm happy. I'm happy. But joy is far beyond. It changes your entire perspective and outlook on life and how you respond. And this year, your perspective. And this relates something. I know I related it to you, but I started a new job about five or six months ago. And and last job I had was just uh, frustrating. Didn't seem to really accomplish the things I needed to do. And I just found it had enough. And, and so I went to a job and got open a door for me. And I went to this company. And God gave me just a revelation of this long suffering. And uh, that it's never too late. Uh, I met a, I've met people at this job that are just open to the gospel. I've had opportunities to witness to people, and uh, it was so exciting and, and incredible what God has done and what He's doing and what I expected to do. I met a man that knows Buddy Ryle that grew up with him and saw the testimony. This is Russ's brother. Russ and Buddy Ryle. He knows, he knows Russ and Buddy Ryle. Go ahead. Russ Baxter in Belleville is here out of this church, Illinois. I'll uh, go on and on. I don't want to take but, but I have a sticker on my toolbox that says, Christ is the answer. This guy saw my toolbox when I brought in the week before I had to sell the company and started asking questions and it couldn't sell for them. So then when I finally did come and start working there, it, he asked me, so you're a Christian, do you want to go church? I'm like, yeah. And, you know, the other guy was open. He's asking me questions. And so I'm looking, okay, now I'm going to start weaving my way in so I can begin to witness to him. And I start talking to him, and he said, you know, I asked him, what's the last thing? What's the church? What do you go? Well, you come to the church. Oh, there's a family that lives next to you. So we're really devout, devout Christians. And, and uh, so in the conversation, I asked him, well, who, who actually took you to the church? Oh, there's a friend of mine named Buddy. Buddy Ryle. I just kind of said it you know, Buddy Ryle. And his eyes got really big. <laughs> you know, I went to the church. And it's funny because this is uh, Sunday before conference here in Chandler Scott. And I just talked to Russ the day before in church on Sunday morning. And so Monday was having this conversation. You know what? I just talked to Russ yesterday morning. He's like, what? No way. It's been 20, 25 years since had in contact. And it's funny because as we're talking about this family, he's describing the family to me. And it was, you know, people I knew was a wild family. But you could tell, you know, that there was these fond affection, that there was something in his heart that their faithfulness, their committedness was, it, it had a really deep impact on him. And so I was able to uh, get him in contact with both Russ and Buddy, and Buddy at Western Samoa in the Pacific, pastoring. And uh, he's coming into conference uh, this December. They made arrangements that we get together. And, and so I'm, I'm just believing God and, and praying that 
you know, Buddy will be able to have his pass. It could be good to have his pass. Uh, it's just a trouble. And I've had so many opportunities to witness to people. And it's funny, there's a Christian that I, that's actually my lead in at work. He told me, oh, you don't want to witness here. That's fire. And I've got sinners coming to me asking me, you know, I've had guys come out already that, that uh, you know, the architecture is God. And it's an incredible thing when you see God open doors like this. And, uh, and that does bring real joy. It'll change everything. It'll change everything. So, so uh, praise the Lord. Let's give God praise. Amen. Uh, uh, a couple of questions that beg to be asked. One, do you view your place of employment or your business or, or where you're going to school, do you view that as a harvest field? You go to work tomorrow morning thinking, God, who you got for me today? Who can I take out for lunch so I can speak to? Who can I listen to their story so they'll listen to my story about you? Do you really, are you go oblivious? Are you committing the sin of silence? Are you violating the scripture? You didn't. What if he didn't go after the one that was lost? What if he didn't ask ah, the lost coin? Who cares? It's a lost coin. Who cares? I'm busy. I got, I got 99 sheep here to take care of. What, what's this one? I got ministry. I got things to do. I got people. I, I got a job. I got this and that. Or do you, you, when you go to work tomorrow, or you go into the affairs of your life, are you, your, your neighborhood, do you view it as the harvest field, because it is. You view your family as the harvest field. You view the school, the university, your place of studies. Do you, do you view that? Are you going tomorrow with this in your heart? Who can I speak to today? Who is open today? God, who do you have for me today? Who is lost here that I can help bring them to you? Do you do that? Because that's what... But, but see, this is in the normal flow of life. This is in the normal arena of shepherding and working and labor and, and employment and, and business. This is in the normal flows of life. The corn was in the house. That's, that's a different thing of life. That's, that's in the arena of people you know and, and, and your home and perhaps your family or children or cousins or uncles or, or who, uh, your aunts. Or, but here, this Jesus is in the Do you do that? Tomorrow, are you going to look for somebody and believe God to, that you can witness to somebody? Do you do that? Because the temptation, I mean, he could have very easily said, hey, we got 99. What's wrong? Just like you can look around here today and there'll be hundreds of people. Ah, we got hundreds of people. I got my family. I got friends. Who cares? And the other thought here is, can you be unhappy and yet have this joy. 
preacher? What's the difference between happiness and this rejoicing that heaven rejoices and this man? What, what's the difference? There is a difference. Go ahead. years ago, when your husband, I can't hear you. He said he would take you. You got a sound man anywhere in the house? Go ahead. Okay. I said years ago when I was married and I was going to come to church and things, my husband took the car keys away from me. He took your car keys so you couldn't come to church. He stand in front of the door so I couldn't get out the door. Stand in front of the door so he couldn't get out the door. He was going to hurt me. And then one day I just said, you cannot steal my joy. And I didn't even know I was going to say that. That's not something I memorized. It just come out. You're not going to steal my joy. I said, you cannot steal my joy. And that was just told to God that that's that I had to say. And it's just true. He could take a lot of things from me, but what came with salvation, the joy that came with my salvation, he could not steal from me. And he just backed up and he knew. That was the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Amen. We had a breakthrough. Praise the Lord. So, uh, uh, George, just a second. Yeah. And so, my point is, I'm talking about a rejoicing and a joy that's not based on circumstances of life. In other words, Paul's in prison, and I feel he wins this Roman jailer to the Lord. He's in prison. I mean, things are hard. It's not like, you know, Joel Powell. It's, I mean, you know, they wear a little pink underwear. No, the prison's always bad, but, but, but I'm talking about it's brutal. I saw the hole they had Paul in. Then, I, 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 when we went to Turkey, this hole in the ground, basically. They lowered, I mean, damp, cold. They lowered water and food down. And it's waste I mean, it's brutal. Isolated, horrible. But come, you think he rejoiced in those circumstances when he won a soul? I don't see this. I'm talking about a dimension of the spirit and joy of God that is above the normal circumstances, the normal dynamics. The the normal pain of life. Tommy and I, when our daughter died, we were grieved. We, you know, if you've lost a child, you know what it is. Uh, but my parents came down and got saved at the funeral. And that joy, Connie, and, and you've heard me tell my dad, he, he said, I watched Connie and all of this, and I could not deny. He was World War II, cold, indifferent, alcoholic. He said, I could not deny that she had something. I was trying to make my way back from the Philippines that I did not have. And so even though we're grieving over, there was something else at work. This joy, this supernatural. Let me tell you, if, how many, if you're stagnant, if you're discouraged, if you're lethargic, if you're crusty, if you're a bit cold, if, if your salvation isn't exuberant, if it's not kicking, or if your the spirit of God in you is not throbbing, listen, this is the answer. 
is your passion. If you want to say, if you witness, your passion is this joy from heaven. I'm sure you do. This is your passion. This is not going to help it. I guarantee you, you bring out an unsaved person, they get saved this morning. Or you witness to someone at work or in your family, and they get saved. You cannot help something. God does something. That joy, that was. I mean, it's terrible for you calling your neighbors. Oh, they get that. And how many testimonies do we hear about that? And guess what? The brother got saved. And the guy told me at the men's rally. Came up, I didn't know who he was, son. Still didn't know who he was. So Pastor Campbell, I, I thank God I, I just preached over in San Diego at the men's discipleship over there. Thank God for that sermon. He said, I got saved eight months ago. My brother's been witnessing to me for years and years and years and years, son. And he says, I got, I got weary. Uh, being in prison, he got weary of me being in prison. I forget. So, like he said, eight years or something, I've been locked up and different things. And, and he said, but eight months ago, I got saved, and I'm here today. He said, my brother's excited. I'm excited. My wife, the family, and he goes, oh, that's what I'm talking about. You may not have nothing. I got saved, didn't have a job, didn't have nothing, my wife and I. Amen. I had a Volkswagen one time, and I saw it. Amen. I still got this feeling around Volkswagens today. Amen. And uh, we pushed it more than we rode it. Amen. And but what about faith? And Connie, we still, I mean, this joy from heaven, this this exuberance, this dimension of God that will revolutionize you. I mean, it's here, Dave. I've known Dave and, and, and for many, many years. Angie, she's glad he's excited. Amen. I'm sure. Things at home have changed, no doubt. I mean, there's just something spiritually that begins to, to just throb. And this is a part of your Christianity. Now, Christian is a part of your Christianity. critical to the church because you bring who you are with you today. This is critical to the to the Christian and the zeal and, and the time and the excitement and the throb. And it's contagious. Do you view your high school? You go to tomorrow high school, junior high, wherever you go, ASU, you go to my audition, I said, praise the Lord, man, what a harvest here. Look at this. There's sinners everywhere. I heard ASU is the number one party in uh, university in America. Why not? God, you dropped me in a candy store. Amen. Or do you hide out? Do you hide? Are you totally? I mean, like I mentioned last week. If somebody came up to you, uh, so I walked up and they hit you, hit, and went to you with your friends and said, Hey, man, when is this of this Sunday? I mean, God! And you're all in. And your friends look at you, you go to church. Who is this man? I'm the one You're who? Who is 
Remember Jesus said, Are you ashamed of me? Are you ashamed of me? Are you ashamed of me? If you deny me, here, I'll deny you that George has your hand up. You know, I got saved. I couldn't believe God would save me. Rescue my marriage, my family, my life. And it was so much joy. So I couldn't stop telling people about what God had done. I terrorized the base. No one would say, Bob Elvis would show my tracks and tracks. You know, Bob Corbo and his wife, they turned the lights off when they saw it with the door. He could see the world of TV. Uh, you know, uh, different people and stuff. And, I, and it, it seemed like I didn't have a lot I, I don't have a lot of success in praying with people, but it's not my responsibility to pray with God. Right. And he talks about the soil of those those who water and those who harvest. Yeah. And if all I ever do is sow, if all I ever do is let my life and my word testify of Christ because we're epistles known and read of all men, how can they hear? How can they believe except they hear? How can they hear unless someone is sent and all of us are sent? But I remember when I went to California with military orders, and I came back and he was Tony, Tony Wilkins. They're not serving God today, but they've served God for years. You know, Bob Alvarez and Bob Corvo and David and Johnson and stuff. You know, these are people I've looking to invest in my life. I maybe didn't get to play them, but I have a part of more of That is a part of my testimony before God. That is a part of my witness in this earth and in heaven. And uh, so, you know, the thing is, is that everyone needs to. No, amazing. How many opportunities God gives you to share His love in a way that, that points them to the cross? And, and that's fantastic. And I rejoice in that. These men are pastors. But what about today? What about you? A witness. No, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about these people. Uh, what about you and today? Uh, what about all Someone is there Bob Alvarez, there David Andrew Johnson. That are lost today, and if you simply witness to them, George, you, you had your hand up? You know, when you talk about that choice and having stuff, a lot of times, like, I think it comes down to, like, when, you know, you have to care about the people enough to begin with. You know, because when you see something that's lost, you're living in that grief of it. You know what I mean? So when they do repent, when, you, when, they, when they are rescued, not only are you excited, but that grief is gone, and it makes it that much more sweet. And, uh, you know, I see my dad, he's like relentless with my brother Aaron. It's like, I've seen him for years grieving and grieving, and he's done things to my brother that I didn't see him do for me. I didn't understand. What I had to understand is I've always been close to my dad. I'm, I'm there with him. You know, like, kind of like the, the prodigal brother that was at home, you know? He wasn't the one that was lost. It was the other one that was destined and doomed. And, but you have to care about those people before you can now, witness and witness. Uh, one of the tragedies, I've had people show up at the door looking for somebody. They invited them to church, witness to them, and they're not here. And I, I don't want to tell them whether they're backslidden or they're being crazy again. I mean, but it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. Uh, you witness, and, and it's like, uh, Dave talking about one of you that made a mention uh, Russ Riles and Buddy Riles and he had to say ah, they're, they're in Vegas gambling today. I mean, he's a card dealer. Uh, you know, 
Well, Gene Green from Vegas, uh, I remember Gene when he was a young guy. And so, go up to Gene, and we got to close. He's Gene Puffin. Go ahead, quickly. What happened to you? I think I did close to 10 years and uh, 89. You know, we went through our, you know, we went out, went across town. My wife and I went back to Michigan. I thought it was but, um, you know, the devil had his way in my life without food, but that was certainly, but every time I would get right with God, I, it would only be temporary, maybe even a couple of few years, and like, my heart was well cold, and I didn't know that I was out in the world again, and I didn't know for, uh, seven down in the past, and now for seven years now, but that same coolness, that coldness coming over my heart earlier this year. I do want to say, uh, I've canceled all kind of stuff. Uh, by the grace of God, unless there's a crisis, I plan on being here every Sunday and most of the Wednesdays for the next six months. Uh, and so um, I feel very good about it. We thank God for you. And so, uh, um, anyway, um, so anyway, I'm excited. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Uh, take a one second break and we'll start morning worship. Amen. <laughs> 